My name is Alana and you are listening to Give a Damn, a podcast that intentionally and mindfully explores life's common challenges in order to break down the barriers between us and become the best version of yourself. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Give a Damn podcast. I hope you all had a wonderful day, having a wonderful week. Um, Obviously, every day feels very different right now, and I hope that you're showing yourself a lot of love and grace during this time, um, because we all deserve a little bit of love and grace during this time. I told you that the new format is that I want to do one episode with me and then another episode where I bring on an inspiring guest who gives a damn about their community and their neighbors and themselves. So I'm very excited for today's guest. Before we launch in, um, we have new apparel coming out. Actually, if you're watching this video, you could see it in the video. Uh, Give a damn hats. Keep your eye out on the website and social media page for those. I'm really excited. Um, Sweatshirt's so hot. So we need our hats so we can get outside and get some sunshine. Anyways, um, let's just dive in. I'm really excited to bring on today's guest is my friend, Shannon Morton. Shannon is a writer producer who primarily focuses on black and LGBTQ experiences. Born and raised in a small town, a small predominantly white town on the central coast of California, Shannon desired to see more diversity, not only around her physically, but on her TV screen. Though she has spent most of her time since college working on Emmy-winning producer Anna Hashmi of The Corner Shop, her love of storytelling drew her into writing courses at the UCLA Extension Program and venturing out to produce her first web series, Alpha Hippie, which garnered acclaim at the IFS Indie Film Festival and won Best Trailer in 2019. Shannon met current writing partner Jesse Randall in 2016. Together, the pair have merged their unique and diverse voices to write two pilots, Token and The Problem with Peaches, and also a 90-minute feature raw footage. Since she arrived in Los Angeles in 2009, Shannon's writing mentor has been Oh, I'm going to not say this right. Deheli Hall, best known as, okay, writer and actor on Mad TV and currently a staff writer on Dear White People. Oh, it's a good show. Shannon also runs a nonprofit organization called Black Women Lead, which is focused on equal justice for Black people and the preservation of Black lives. Welcome to the Give a Damn podcast, Shannon. Hi, Alana. How are you? I'm good, my love. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm tired, but it's good tired. Um, so yeah, yeah, we've had a good the, week. So it's nice. Sentiments. Oh, good, good. I'm laughing because I'm just thinking that you were telling me that your three dogs running around <laughs> before yeah. all this. So on top of everything else you're doing, you have three dogs, two are rescues? Uh, yeah, two are rescues. One ha- is the tripod. So he recently had his leg amputated, but he's still the fastest dog by far. So much energy the happiest he reminds me to be happy every day because he just had his his leg chopped off literally about (laughs) a month and a half ago and he's right back he's up he's ready to go so he's my reminder to be happy and then I have an 18 year old rescue who's been with me almost a year 
and they gave him like three weeks and now we've just like loved him back to life and oh. 18 blind death not a single tooth three-fourths of a jaw but he's oh like God. the cutest dog you'll ever see one of his ears just like sticks out he's really cute and then I have one non-rescue. It was from my mother's friend who had um, like a breed of dogs. And he is the, <laughs> he's a selfish dog. He's like, kind of like, we call him, we call him the Trump supporter. Cause like, he's oh. just <laughs> like, he's just like the worst. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah. That but we love is... him nonetheless. We love him nonetheless. Shannon, I invited you on because I knew you give a damn about your community and like want in a lot of ways. But this new knowledge of you rescuing all these dogs and loving even the Trump supporting one, no matter what their political beliefs, only takes you to the next level. You should be running this podcast. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll trade you. You'll you'll want to come back to the podcast immediately if you have to be stuck in the house with these three all day. Uh, that is, I can barely <laughs> handle one. She is locked in a bedroom, so you are absolutely right. <laughs> Rivy, Rivy, so cute. <laughs> Thank you. So Shannon, I'm so excited to have you on. I met you through my best friend, Michael Beck, who literally sings your praises all the time. We had the honor of meeting through Covenant House where you got involved with our sleep outs and just, I'll never forget, you did a sleep out. You were amazing. And then you um, came to an event that we had at Soho House where we did a pride panel. And I remember afterwards I saw you as I was leaving and you had spent the last like hour talking with the youth and alumni on the panel and buying them dinner. And I just like something inside, like not many people would do that. And so I just knew from that moment how special you were. And now with this Black Women Lead, which we'll get into later, um, organization that you have started. It is just so next level. So I just want you to tell, of course, I want you to tell everyone about yourself. So can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up and how you got to LA? So Michael and I actually grew up not too far from each other. Um, We're from the Central Coast. So I grew up in like Pismo Beach area. It's Aurora Grande, California, but Um, Most people know Pismo Beach or they know uh, San Luis Obispo. Those are like our two, our two big, uh, big ones. And then um, I got, I came to LA. I was like, what am I going to do with life? What do I want to do? I thought I would be a fashion editor. And my parents were like, just because you like to shop doesn't mean that's what you should do for a living. Um, And so I studied business management and then I was like, I don't want to do business either. And so after college, I was like, maybe I'll take some writing courses because I'd been doing like creative writing or uh, different things at like the community college. I take a few courses there. They were cheap. They were informative. I was like, maybe I want to write television. That's crazy. Um, and I always wanted to be in, in TV and film. It was a thing. So like I'd interned at NBC in college. Um, I'd, I'd done a few different like commercial productions, like PA work. And so um, I started working for a commercial producer named Anna. She's amazing. Um, 
And while I worked for her, I took some UCLA extension classes because commercials are great, but you only have like 30 seconds to a minute to tell a story. And I wanted to kind of branch out and, and try that. And so that's what we've been doing the past year. And it's been a really productive and successful year, which has been nice. Um, but productions are also shut down. So um, in the meantime, I started a nonprofit. Wow. That is, that is an interesting journey. And especially, I think it's so funny. Like, I think a lot of us, you said you want to be a fashion designer. I think that I love that you said, Oh, because I love to shop. A lot of us, when you leave college, you have no idea what you want to do. And even like picking a major seems so silly now. So sorry for the crazy listening to this because pick a major. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. For me, it was always weird too, because you're, 17 and eight or 18 when you do that and i'm like oh well i'm gonna go i'm gonna go to fit them and i'm gonna become a fashion designer my parents are like that's not gonna happen so <laughs> like you can't draw like you just like to go shopping you have to realize that so when we picked business management i also i do like telling people what to do but i wasn't gonna run like their business but like i'm like maybe i am a little bit glad that i did that now now that does help but I think more the producerial skills that I I got to see Anna put on huge productions so that and budgets for huge productions or you know stuff like that so um all of that life experience really helps you yeah you know yeah on totally. the job training yeah I almost feel like one thing always leads to the next and you ultimately found your passion in working in television but you also started this nonprofit. I want to rewind a little bit. In your bio, you said that you grew up in a predominantly white town. Can you just like touch on maybe how that shaped your direction? Like, was that something that you were really aware of when you were growing up? Or is it something that's sort of come to the more of the forefront now? Like, how do you think that that has shaped you? Um, I definitely felt it. Um, but I was also, I was a popular outgoing kid too so I think for me I was all if you were going to say a black joke I already knew it and I was going to say it for you um if you I I never wanted to feel like an outsider or other so I always positioned myself to be at the front or you know Mm. I was a popular kid but I I made I kind of tailored my own life I made my own plan and um I think people kind of followed that followed that so I didn't experience a lot of bullying but I did experience racism so I wanted to move to a place well Michael and I had always said we're moving to LA you know we wanted to be like Nicole Richie and like Paris Hilton or something you know (laughs) um but I knew I wanted to go and see other people that looked like me because that shapes a lot of um your self-esteem you know that self-love I saw I remember growing up they had a long drugs. That's where, you know, you got your, your makeup or there was, um, there was a store that sold Mac, a department store. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but we don't have them here. And, um, they didn't sell my color. So mm. if I look back my color foundation, so mm-hmm. if I look back on little, those are like microaggressions, right? That like, I still wanted to make, wear makeup and I still wanted to be pretty. So, and all of my photos, I look like Heath Ledger 
from the dark night like this red <laughs> lipstick but like a white face because i still wanted to wear makeup i still i looked like a clown <laughs> but, oh. like cbs and these other places they didn't have my color growing up and um or i remember when i was six i was in the newspaper because i called the new well i called the newspaper and um they met me down at this little strawberry stand and this old strawberry stand um, was owned by a very affluent uh, Japanese family, but they had been in internment camps and like the white people there, they saved their land for them. And like, it was a beautiful story. But if you go and you look at this old strawberry stand, it said whites only. If you like, and I remember being like, oh Hey, look at this is racist. And like they built a new, a new, thing but uh, a new stand but it was so old and it was this was probably 95 wow I you were that it, like, young and you processed that yeah i think it was like seven. <laughs> oh man but, that like, is crazy they're just little things like that that i wouldn't want like my kids to experience my mom's always like when you have kids you're gonna come home hell no i'm not going home <laughs> Not that it's bad. It's a wonderful place to live. Oprah actually voted it the happiest place to live a few oh. years back. Well, then um, that's the truth. You know, it's got mm -hmm. great, like, uh, like little sandwich shops, and you won't find a drive-through. They don't believe in drive-throughs there. It's quaint. It's safe. But there's a lot of microaggressions. Um, last time I was home, this woman came up to me, and she goes, you're so pretty. My granddaughter is also a mulatto. Oh my god! Yep. Oh, I was. I, I want to pull my hat over my eyes right now. That is. My granddaughter woof. is also a mulatto, and I was like, my friend was with me, my hairdresser, because he'd come with me. He's gonna do my mom's hair, and he was like, serious? I'm like, they don't get it. Like, keep walking. Like, they don't get it. She thought that was a compliment. Well, that's pretty amazing that that's your, that that's your take on it. And so, I mean, and probably that comes with coming to LA and, you know, what was that experience like then? Was it sort of like a coming home of like, okay, now I know that there's diverse people in this world who aren't racist or like, what did, or were you just like, oh, I get it. They didn't understand. I got it that they didn't understand, but I also got the part I played in it too. I haven't always been the most woke either. It was like, oh, those are my, you I tolerated the racism and that made me complicit in that too. I was just trying to get by, you know, you're a young kid, you just want to fit in. But it also made me realize that, no, you stand up for what you believe in. I got, I got here and black people didn't want to be, oh, the black girls at school were like, this girl is whack. <laughs> like, and, and so you realize I wasn't black enough for black people, but I wasn't white enough for white people either, right? Wow. So I had to find myself and in, in finding who I was and what you believe in and what you stand for. That's how you find your people. So I don't care if my people are black or white. I have both. But you have to be true to who you are. And um, by tolerating racism or laughing at racist jokes or telling the racist joke just because... No, you don't tell a racist joke. You don't stand for racism at all, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's, that was the learning. I wasn't like just embraced with open arms by, you know, black people here. Because I remember actually my mentor, she was like, 
I was like, oh, racism is just, like, I was that lady that was just like, he's not racist. He didn't mean it like that. Keep going. Keep blind eye. Because mm-hmm. that's what I'd grown up with. And I just, I just wanted to get through it. You know what I mean? Like, let it roll off your back. Who cares? Keep going. When do you think that you found yourself and found your voice and your people? Do you think it, it, it's within the last few months of everything going on in the world and starting your nonprofit or did this, did that sort of awakening of, like you said, finding, really finding out who you were and the people that you would surround yourself with, like, when did that happen for you? Um, I would say it was after college. It was probably in 2009. I had a really strong group of just like badass black women in my life who kept me in check. You know what I mean? They kept me in check. So um, I've been a work in progress since 2000, well, forever, but specifically since 2009 when they came into my life, um, Dehaley especially. And then um, uh, I dated uh, an activist um, for like five years, four and a half years. And, you know, being on the ground with, um, uh, in St. Louis, when they were shooting rubber bullets at protesters over Freddie Gray, um, being able to meet his dad and go over that story and how they lost his son changed my whole life. Um, so uh, that was in 2015, uh, the year anniversary um, of his death. And so I think that was my turning point of becoming uh, an, an activist. Um, I attend, attended protests all across the country from, you know, the Women's March in D.C. Um, to Black Lives Matter in the Bronx and in New York, um, St. Louis. Um, and I attended a lot of them here. And, and now is just the time where I'm like, go from protester to organizer, kind of just making that leap. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So talk to me now about, let's fast forward. So you, you know, you start, you, you're becoming an activist as well and you're in TV and you're living in LA and cut to a couple months ago and there's George Floyd's death and, and Brianna's death and other racially charged murders. Talk to me about like what, what came up for you? Like, how did that feel? What were your initial feelings and emotions? You're mad you know you're mad you're angry but you know with Brianna with George having I think we're at a moment where you can't turn away because you have to look at it because you don't have to go to work right because the whole world is watching and we we can't turn a blind eye you can't just somebody died back to work somebody died don't have time for that right now that's the silver lining of this global pandemic right like the silver lining um so George Floyd happened, Breonna Taylor happened, and the shit that really got to me, excuse my language, was no, Brianna looked like one of my cousins. Brianna was a black girl who could have been me. Um, Brianna got me because I imagined all the things I was doing at 27. She was 26, or you know, her birthday is June 6th, and I'm June 20th. And she's a Gemini. And I thought about 
what am I going to do for my birthday? This person doesn't get to plan her birthday anymore. At 26, I was in Miami probably doing stuff I shouldn't have been doing. <laughs> and like this girl at 26 was an EMT. She had dreams of helping people. Like at, at 26, I just wanted to be on the beach in Miami and being like, I just didn't get why that happened and why nobody cared. And I sit here over 140 days later still thinking, why does nobody care? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I got on the phone. I called my writer girlfriends, Haley and Shantira and Rashida and Rashawn. And we were all equally as mad. And we just sat on the phone and we went over stories about how much this sucked. And I said, I'm not going to throw a birthday party this year. Let's have one for Brianna. Let's... And this was a Thursday. That Saturday, her birthday was a Friday. I was like, we'll do it the day after her birthday because they were doing a George Floyd like tour. He went to a few different places before he was finally laid to rest in Houston. But um, I was like, let's do it on, uh, I think we did it on June 7th. Uh, it was that Saturday and it was all word of mouth. And we filled up the park with 2,000 people and they just listened to a black woman all day. And um, then I had some other friends show up and we took to the streets and uh, we ended up having 6,000 people and being the largest protest that day. Um, and I got home and I was like, black woman lead. This is who we need to be. If we want white people to listen. Um, I was like, I think black women should lead people into this next chapter of progress. And that's, that's what we're doing. So I just want to, I want to comment on something that you said before we launch into black women lead, which I'm very excited to talk about is that. The reason, part of the reason that Brianna Taylor's death shook you so much is that you thought like that, that could be me, that could be my friends, that could, like where I thought about, you thought about how you were at that age. And I think that that's the mentality that's been missing. And this is like, this is such a big, um, the big thing with give a damn that I've been trying to push so much is that anyone, any one of these people could be your neighbor or live in your community, or be your family, or be you. So when we turn a blind eye, because, oh, well, I don't, that's not me, that doesn't affect me, I don't know her, that is the, that is like the opposite of caring about your community. That could absolutely be any one of us, but we all think that we're above it if it's not us, or if it's not someone we know. So what I just appreciate and respect about what you said, and I think that more people need to hear, is that every time something like this happens, every time there is a racially charged murder, or anything, any injustice in this world that you see even down the street that maybe you think doesn't have to do with you, it has everything to do with you. And I really respect the fact that you say that and like, and, and then so selfish, selfish, selflessly said, I'm not even gonna have a birthday party this year because I will not celebrate if she cannot celebrate. I mean, that's, inc if everybody were thinking that way, 
then maybe it may, those police it, officers that killed her would be arrested by now. Well, not only that, or maybe they wouldn't have done that in the first place. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's, I think, I think if everyone took a moment to think outside of themselves, they would feel so much better. Yeah. I remember, I remember in 2012, I bought this book called One Good Deed a Day. I am a person with road rage. Like, I'm like, ah, you know, things don't go right. I got this book and it infinitely changed my life. Because when you think about other people, it takes the spotlight off you. I'm my own worst critic. I'm a, I, I will sit in my house. I will go over something I've written 95 times. I'll hate it every time. I'll get down with myself. If you took one second to help your neighbor, if you took one second to help somebody with groceries, if you did one good deed a day, it would change your life infinitely. So that's how, you. that's how I try to to think about it and your day is just it's better i, mean, I, I need everybody to hear that i think that's the sound bite for social media because that's exactly exactly true and you're living that out and you're not even just talking to talk you're walking the walk so let's talk about this walk you started black women lead what is it and what obviously you said like you did this big protest and all these people came Tell us a little bit about the mission and maybe, and also was that the moment that you said, okay, I need to, this needs to be birthed into the world? Yes. After that, and after I saw what I could do with just an Instagram post, you know, and just word of mouth, those people just wanted to show up. It showed me that people were listening, even if I didn't, it, like one voice, one voice can change the world. It can, and it or a community and together we can change the world. That's what I always say, you know? Yeah. Um, but the mission was basically, is basically to protect black lives, but also to promote the prosperity of black lives and to amplify the voices of black women specifically within communities. I feel like black women have always been at the forefront of every historical movement and they usually get the least amount of credit. Um, I also feel like black women, we vote like, we vote like our neighbors' lives depend on it. You will see black women leading marches for DACA. You will see them leading marches for healthcare. You will see them leading marches for just about everything and you look at their voting records they vote 98 percent to stop donald trump that's wild you know what i mean so if yeah. you listen to them i know that they are they've been leading if you let them lead you into this next chapter um of progress there's nothing that i i don't think we can do so i've been i don't know specific i'm still finding my footing we're only two months old um, but my thing has been to pair with other organizations, whether it's a food drive for Midnight Mission or for Covenant House or for Downtown Women's Center. Uh, recently, I had done an event with Tiffany Haddish, and she's a Black woman who leads, so I was like, this is great. And I was asking her what she was doing, and she was working with the Crenshaw YMCA on something. 
And so I, and that's a black woman who direct is their director, their executive director. So I called her and my new thing has been calling other orgs and saying, what's the need? Where can I give? Um, because that's how communities work, right? Find yeah. where the need is. And if I can be of help, I can give. And if I can't specifically do it, I know I probably have the resources to, to help you get it done, whatever it may be. So the YMCA and I paired up uh, to do a grab-and-go meal, uh, uh, grab-and-go meals for their community. They usually do it for children every Tuesday and Thursday from 11 to 1. And it's like cereal and a sandwich or breakfast and lunch 11 to 1 for their kids. And uh, Vita had expressed to me that because the kids aren't in summer school or, you know, their parents are essential workers, they have to do a lot of subsidizing for the camp because their parents, they wouldn't be in camp usually. They'd be at school. Their parents can't afford it. So they've had to really scale back the meals program. So I said, let me see what I can do. And of course, my team was like, you're a maniac. I'm like, we're going to do 5,000 meals. We're going to do 5,000 meals. They're like, what? We're doing what? <laughs> and I was like, and they're going to be gourmet hot meals because if kids don't have to worry about where their meals are coming from and cereal's great, but like, I want those kids to have a good meal. And so yeah. I was like 11 to one, we'll do eight to five. So oh my God. yeah, my team was like, you're a psychopath, but guess what? We did it. And it was really amazing. And we had, um, a lot of, uh, we had a black owned uh, kitchen who charged us a great, like gave us a great deal. Um, it's IT catering. So shout out to them. They, they made 2,200 of the meals for us. We did wow. like a red beans and rice with Cajun chicken, a Cajun tofu with red beans and rice and a vegetable. We did a mango chicken and a mango tofu with a coconut rice and vegetables. Wow. Jones on third. Jones on Yay. third. Joan. Joan came through with the tomato pasta. Oof. 250 of them. Like a tomato um, pasta with chicken. It was really great. And then we had Post and Beam. Um, in the Crenshaw area, a Black-owned business come on and they donated 100 and then they made 400 more. Um, wow. And they did collard greens, rice, baked chicken thighs, um, meatballs, pasta, um, all grab-and-go hot. Um, wow. Then we had Love to Eat Thai Bistro. Fern called me. I love Fern. Fern, I couldn't understand most of the things she was saying. She talks so fast. Um, <laughs> But she said, what do you need when? That's all. What do you need when? 150, okay? I'm like, yes, thank you so much. And then, I, of <laughs> course, I was like, Fern, can I buy some from you as well? And so she's like, my kitchen's too small, but I'll do 100 extra. So Fern is business, wow. and I like it. <laughs> so thank you to Fern at Love to Eat Type Bistro. We also had, you know, at $5, at $5 a meal, donate in like a week to plan that's a lot of money um so frontline foods came in and frontline foods la tracy and team donated um a thousand meals and five thousand dollars so we are very thankful to them as wow, well man, that's and all huge. of this all of this started with a facebook post 
um, in an Instagram post. And it's, I, I, I can't stress enough, one person, one voice can bring a community together and then you figure out what your specialties are and how you can make things work. You change your community and then you change people's mindset and you can change the world. We really, really believe that. So. A hundred percent. It's so inspiring to hear all these places who are giving so selflessly, especially restaurants who've been struggling during exactly. COVID. Exactly. And, you know, I was speaking with Joan and Susie at Jones and third and they're like, we're so sorry. We couldn't give more. We're so, I'm like, no, I didn't expect anyone to give five. Like they just did it because they wanted to be a part of it and they wanted to support. So I, um, I ha can't stress enough supporting the restaurants that support this movement yeah. because um, they really believe Black Lives Matter. And when Jones pulled up too, they brought popcorn, they brought chocolate Aww. bars for kids. Like everyone really, um, they did what they, they could and it was a really, really beautiful event. It was great. That's amazing. Yeah, That's amazing. I'll, have to, I'll send you the article. It was really great. LA Talks did a great article on us and um, the event, it was really nice. Oh, I love that. I'd love to share it with the Give a Damn community as well. That's so cool. So yeah. Shannon, what, what should, if you were going to tell people, what should people be doing right now to help move your mission forward? Um, I would say specifically, if you were trying to, to move this mi mission, you have to have conversations um, with your family members. With, I, let me start over. You have to keep showing up as well. You have yeah. to keep showing up because I went from having 6,000 to 2,000 to a hundred, you know, keep showing up. I know it's, it's, it's tiring. People are getting, you know, exhausted, but imagine the way black people feel. We've been, we've been doing the same protest for 401 years. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, uh, we're tired too, but keep showing up, keep listening. Um, There's so, so many things going on in the world right now with protesters too. Find a mutual aid or a bail fund um, and donate what you can to these causes. And if you can't donate, post about it. You know what I mean? Sharing these stories, posting about these stories, liking, following. All of that stuff matters when trying to get a story out there. So yeah. it's really important. I'm really glad that you said that. I agree. I think that it's starting to lose a little bit. All of the Black Lives Matter movement is losing a little bit of traction. And it, we need to, I know everybody's tired. I mean, we all have our own daily struggles. But like you said, just putting it in perspective, we can't stop caring about our community and standing up for each other. Um, especially the black community that's been marginalized for so, like you said, 401 years, you think you're tired? Like we're tired. Yeah. We'd love to not be doing, we'd love to not be protesting in the streets during a global pandemic. I have to get tired. I have to get a COVID test twice a week, um, wow. which isn't always, if like, you know, Dodger stadium, stadium isn't open. You have to pay $150 for that. Yeah. Um, and you have to really just keep going, keep fighting, keep, keep talking about it. Don't you, you can't get so tired and have the opposition. You can get tired and have opposition fatigue for like a day, have your self care day, have your yeah. love, but then you get back out there and 
you're not saying protest every day, but have you done your emails? Have you written Daniel Cameron? The process, you know what I mean? Have you yeah. done your emails for Elijah McClain, uh, for Soraya, for Matthew Russian? There's so many of these stories. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, how can people get involved? How can people support Black Women Lead movement? What events do you have coming up? Where can they find you? Like, how can people, if this is, if their heartstrings are pulled, how can people get involved and help support? So, um, I will, we are, we, you can find us on social media. We're Black, on Instagram, we're Black underscore Women Lead. On Twitter, we are Black Women Lead and the number two, Black Women Lead Two. Um, for our next events, um, we're not going to have any physical events for like the next two weeks because we've got so much to plan for the end of the month. Um, starting August 18th, um, we're going to be doing some grab and go after school meals every Tuesday and Thursday for four weeks. Um, we're gonna start on August 18th and go through September 10th. And this came about after our event on Wednesday. So we had an event Wednesday. On Thursday, I got an email from Colin Kaepernick's Know Your Rights camp. And I thought I was dreaming. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> and um, I answered their email and they basically said they saw the LA Taco article they loved what we were doing in the community and they had an idea. They wanted to run across or run by me and a team. And so they called yesterday and Colin Kaepernick's New Your Rights campaign has been doing um, a, a burger giveaway with Impossible Burger. And so they said that they want them and Impossible Burger wanted to give black women lead, donate over 4,000 meals to us so that we wow. could keep this going. So I was like, oh my God, I was freaking out. And um, <laughs> so that's what I was planning this morning and, and yesterday. Um, so we're still working out the logistics, but we'll be back at the Crenshaw YMCA. Their program was supposed to end on the 13th, but because of the generous, generous donation from um, Impossible Burger and Know Your Rights Camp, we can now... Um, we can now start that back up on Tuesdays and Thursdays for another four weeks. Um, and then with the other half of the burgers, I plan on, you know, reaching out to you, seeing if we can do something with Pub, and Definitely. then also the Midnight Mission in Skid Row um, and seeing if we can split up those burgers too and have like a week with you guys and then a week with um, Midnight Mission because I know – um, know your rights camp and I would love to like spread the love in any way we can. It's incredible. Shannon. So that's going on. And then we have our tablet drive. Um, our tablet drive is for the Crenshaw YMCA. Of course, um, they've asked if we can help because their children aren't going right back to school. And I said, of course. So I started a tablet drive yesterday as well. We've already got 33 tablets which is amazing wow. but we're How aiming for 300 okay. aiming for 300 and if you go to the link in our bio on instagram it'll go to an amazon wish list and you can buy them there 
And uh, there's also like a backpack, but I thought the backpack could be more like the gift wrap, you know? Yeah, that's and cute. Inside it could be in there. Um, so yeah, so that's what we're doing there. And then um, that is on the 13th of August, the tablet drive. So time is of the essence. And then we'll start um, asking for volunteers for our Tuesday and Thursday program um, that runs August 18th through September 10th. And then on August 24th, um, I don't know if you know the story of Elijah McLean, uh, the violinist who died in Aurora, Colorado a year ago. He was a very sweet boy. Um, he was an introvert. Uh, he in his spare time, played his violin for shelter animals. Um, mm. He was killed walking home at the age of 23, declared brain dead. He was um, just walking home. He was dancing in the street with his earphones. The cops called. I, I think everyone should listen to the body cam footage. You will cry. I read it to, I read his words, his last words from the body cam at the first vigil I ever did for him. And I, read them while Lindsay Sterling played her violin. Um, oh, wow. And uh, I raised $3,000 for his mom that night. Um, we had 24 hours to plan that vigil. And um, we're linking up again with his family to do a one-year anniversary. It will be at Laugh Factory. Um, it's August 24th. We will have violinists play through the night. And we're going to do a candlelight vigil. We'll have a moment of silence and everyone can learn a little bit from Elijah, but that has been my most, I think so far, um, one of my proudest moments during Black Women Lead because Elijah McLean was such a special kid and uh, the world needs more Elijahs for sure. And hopefully we will have more once pr police brutality is, comes to a halt, but um, yeah, that's a whole different thing. But we're having um, an event for him on the 24th and Amber Riley from Glee and I are teaming up for another big event uh, at the end of August. Uh, I think we're going. Oh, you are busy. Yeah, 22nd. Um, I don't know if you know the case of Soraya. Not many people do. It's out of Coos County, Oregon. I reached out to her mom. Where can I help? Um, she needs a platform. I posted the story on Instagram. Amber was like, this pissed me the F off. What do we do? And I'm like, let's get on with their mom. Let's see how we work. And so we've been in contact with, with his mom or her mom and also Matthew Russian's mom because they have similar stories. Their kids are 13. Saray is 13. She's in jail for mental illness. Um, and Matthew is going to be 22 next week. He was tried to kill himself and also is in jail for something, not kill himself. It was self-harm. I misspoke. It was self-harm. It was cutting. Mm -hmm. um, but the officers found him like trying, like in a forest, they arrested him. He resisted. Like these are all stories in which the cops shouldn't be involved. That's what you should defund the police. 100%. Anyway, but um, yes, we have a big event coming up in honor of Soraya and Matt um, Amber Riley and I are headlining it and we're going to do it with the Laugh Factory and it'll be a rally and protest to get their story out there and to um, make everyone as pissed off as we are about it. <laughs> Shannon, you are a busy lady. You are 
the epitome, epitome of a give a damn community member. I cannot tell you enough how highly I think of you and how we need more yous in this world. And if you can't be a Shannon, you need to support her organization. So what I'm hearing is you can, if you live in LA, you can go to these events. Um, if you don't live in LA, go to their page and go to the Amazon wish list and purchase a tablet or an item, whatever they're looking for. If you don't want to do that, give money. And if you don't want to do that, have hard conversations and keep showing up because this is not going to go away on its own. And this is going to take a whole community of people to make a change that's been going on for hundreds of years. So yeah, I just i love what you're doing i can't wait to go to an event myself and um and just thank you thank you for everything yeah. i'm trying to keep up with you alana you inspire <laughs> me every time i see you you're always doing that great work with the cub and yeah you know, we're just we're, if we all just try and do our part if we all just think about somebody else how can you make somebody else's life better just a little bit we'd all be in a little bit better of a place you know Absolutely. Absolutely. My final question to you, my friend, that I ask all my guests is what do you give the most dams about? Um, besides dogs, social justice, <laughs> Just, uh, dogs and equal justice for everyone, everyone, black, brown, white, yellow, purple animals. We're all, all creatures, right? Um, yeah. I think we should all just give a damn, you know, all treat each other with respect, all treat each other with dignity. We're all somebody's son or somebody's daughter, somebody's human, somebody's aunt, somebody's uncle. We all should matter. We all matter to someone. We all matter to someone. And if you could think of just that someone, you know, yeah, I think that'd be best. You're amazing. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you for sharing your story and your heart and your soul. Um, I will tag Shannon and Black Women Lead in this post so you know where to find them. And um, yeah, and just thank you so much. Keep going. Take a little break. Get a little Aww. rest and relaxation and then come back because we need you. And I'm, um, I'll be standing beside you. Also, I wanted to say one more thing um, about allies versus accomplices. Um, I always tell everyone at my rallies, allyship is cool, but like we need accomplices because allies are just like standing there with you, you know, they'll hold a sign. But accomplices are the people who want action, who are coming to me like, like, hey, I have, what are my action steps? What do I need to do? Let's dismantle this together. They have plans to dismantle something. So don't be an ally, be an accomplice, get down, get dirty, get in the trenches with us. So that's what I, I want people to know. Don't be an ally, be an accomplice. Cause we got to do this sooner than later. I love that. I you never know? heard that. So yes, yeah. let's all get down and dirty and be an accomplice. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, my friend. Thanks for being on today. It's an honor to be able to have this conversation with you. Thank you for just sharing all of your wisdom and your experience. And um, I can't wait to see all the good that you do in this world.
just getting started. So. <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Again, I'm just so excited about the way this community is growing and I'm excited to con just put out ripple effects of people giving a damn, more dams about their communities and caring for each other, especially right now. Um, and yeah, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. I'm here for you always. If you need anything, write me, text me, call me, DM me, whatever you need. And as always, give a damn about your community, give a damn about your neighbor, but most importantly, give a damn about your damn self. Have a good day, my friends. Thanks, Shannon.